You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the New York Yankees official podcast. I worked really hard, so maybe I did get lucky. But at the same time, for me, I worked my butt off and I was prepared for an opportunity. And when preparation meets opportunity and you're ready for it, who knows what could happen. For me to do it in pinstripes, that means a lot. I I know I say it all the time, like this is a, a dream come true for me, but I have a picture from when I was two years old wearing a Yankees onesie so like this means it means a lot more to me than you know a lot of other people I play for the New York Yankees and I thank God every day for that but I want other kids to be where I'm at and I want South Texas kids in particular to be where I'm at because not many South Texas kids can say they play for the New York Yankees but I can Hello, hello, and welcome to the New York Yankees official podcast. I'm John Schwartz. I'm the deputy editor for Yankees Magazine. Joining me over the Zoom line, we have our executive editor, Nathan Makaborski. Nate, what's up? How you doing today, John? I'm I'm doing great other than my son having COVID, but you know, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're getting through as well as we can, but that's not why anyone is listening to this. I'm very excited about what we have on this episode. Nate, we have a what I think is a really fun interview with catcher Jose Trevino. It is a fun interview. Um, I was had the pleasure of listening to it this morning, and as expected, it was very uh, enlightening and just fun, and uh, he's a great guy, so I think the listeners are really going to enjoy this one. I have to say, as we started this whole thing, the one thing in my head, it was like, as we were putting together players we wanted, it was just like, well, we're never going to get catchers because they're way too busy. And I don't know if we're looking ahead a little too much here, but we have Jose Trevino this episode and coming up in May, we're going to have Kyle Higashioka. So I, I, I guess you just never know what to expect. But Nate, I think it's a fun interview. I think Jose is typically Jose. So why don't we get right to that right now? Joining me right now on the New York Yankees official podcast, we have catcher Jose Trevino. Jose, how you doing? I'm good. How you doing? I'm doing great. Jose, I don't know if you're kind of like us because it's really strange. You know, you get to opening day and it's like, oh my God, opening day. Everything's amazing. And right now, I don't know, but it just feels like it's mid-July somehow. And it's like the season's what, a month old? It's, I, think, I, I don't know how it goes so fast. I think because last year we started a little later. Fair. And spring training was a little longer this year, so that could be the feeling what you're getting right now. That makes sense. I hear that. You know what? I thought it was just that you fall into that routine so quick, man. <laughs> well, and actually, the schedule the schedule's kind of crazy. Like, the Yankees play a different schedule than when I was in Texas. We play so many day games here, and then it's to a night game or a night game to a day game. So the, the schedule is, is way different uh, for the Yankees, I'd have to say. I'm pretty sure it's illegal to chat with the catcher in 2023 without starting on the rules couple weeks into it now yeah. you know you obviously had all of spring training you you're yeah, planning yeah, yeah, for the yeah, stuff yeah. but how do you feel about the stuff as it is uh, now? I, I feel good about it it's fine um i like that the pitchers are working faster you know the games are moving along uh for me you know it takes it takes the thinking out of it you're just out there you're just kind of having fun with it and kind of 
you know, going with your instincts more than anything. Um, and I think that's good for baseball players and, and for catchers in general. Like, I'm a big study guy. Like, I like to study the hitters. I like to know what my pitchers are doing. So for me, it's going off of instincts and, and the feedback and the information that I learned before the game and obviously preparing for the game. So it kind of helps me a little bit. You beat me to the point here in a sense because – Obviously, it's not like you know you're, you're changing everything you did or anything like that. But I have to imagine you have so little time now to get that pitch in. Do you have to change the way you're preparing? Do you have no. to have more? N- nothing no. different. No, like I feel like if anything, I was ready for the rule changes because of the fast pace and 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 studying the hitters and knowing my pitcher's strengths and knowing my pitchers what they like to do, what they can do, what they can't do. And then knowing what the hitter can, can't hit, what he doesn't like, what he doesn't like to do, that kind of stuff. Like, that's all previously studied and, and, and known before we even come to the stadium half the time. I was actually a little surprised because I don't know what it was a week or two ago when Garrett threw the shutout. In my head, as I'm watching this, what I was recognizing, I thought was this is a guy who's really benefiting from the pitch clock because you could just see he was always at attention, always right. Now, I know Garrett always kind of was like that. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. Yeah. But when I asked about it afterward, if he feels like he is benefiting from that, he said he didn't think it was making any difference for him. Do you think when a pitcher is in a groove, being forced to work a little quicker, can that be advantageous to the battery? I mean, it could be. Yeah. You never know. You know, uh, baseball such a rhythm sport. And sometimes when you find that good rhythm, you like to stay in that good rhythm. So you never know. How do you build the relationship that you need to be able to really quickly hit that right button on there and get that pitch in? I mean, I know a lot of it's on the field. I know a lot of it's in the bullpen, in the clubhouse. How do you get to the point where you and Garrett, you and Nestor, Luis, whatever, are sharing your brain? Just talking to them. The pregame meetings, too, help as well. The uh, pre-series meetings, those help. Uh, but basically, you know, you get, you get guys that, that are, that are doing their homework at home, you know, doing their homework at the field, studying these hitters throughout the series. That way, when you go and talk to them, you're basically already on the same level and you're just agreeing on, okay, Hey, this is what we're probably going to do. But if we have to switch, we can easily transition to this. So getting to know them and getting to know how they study and how they see hitters and the information that they're gathering from the pitching coaches, from the analytics side, uh, from anybody, you know, those, those conversations are held within. You mentioned the different schedule. Obviously, spring training was real quick last year. Plus, mm-hmm. you showed up, you know, in Tampa. April 2nd, yeah. Yeah. When you look at your relationship with the pitchers now, and mm-hmm. again, the ways that you're in their heads in the same ways and they're in your heads together, mm-hmm. how much easier is it now than it was, say, mid-April last year? No, definitely. Way easier, you know, because I had to get to know these guys. I had to put a name to a face. Like, I had to do that last year really, really quick. You know, and now it's uh, it's 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 about getting to know them off the field, what they like to do off the field, not just on the field. I feel like, and this might feel a little weird. I think every fan wants to believe that everybody in that clubhouse is best friends, you know, and they want to believe that you know all their heroes are best friends. And like, you guys are coworkers. I'm sure there are guys you absolutely love. I'm sure there are guys who you're just perfectly I lo- fine. I love them. I love them all. You love them. I love them all. Do you have to be closer to the pitchers than you no, are? No, no way. Okay, no way. Like that. I don't think that's like a. I don't think you have to, you know, you have to have a good relationship with them, obviously, but being close to them definitely does help. And I mean, I feel like we're all pretty close. So I I, I think that does help, but I don't think you have to absolutely have to. Mm -hmm. Do you ever, (laughs) do you ever just pause for a second? I mean, it's like, Hey, tonight I'm catching Garakul. Like that's a pretty strange thing I get to do today, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I get, I get a lot of, uh, a lot of text messages, you know, a lot of people back in my hometown where I'm from, they're like, man, what's it like to catch? like a Garrett fastball. What's it like to catch Nestor Cortez? What's it like to catch, you know, they're 
like, hey, how was it to catch, you know, Chapman? How was it to catch uh, Montgomery and 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 JMO and all these guys? And I'm just like, man, it's like, it's awesome because these guys are are, are great pitchers, you know. And I can go up and down the. They're like, man, how does Michael King slider move like that? How does Loisica's you know sinker move like that? And Wandy, why is his changeup so good, you know? And like, people are constantly like, man, this is incredible, you know, to watch you back there catching and commanding them and stuff. So it's. It's pretty cool. I just imagine you put down, or I say you put down the sign for, but I guess now you press you the press button for the, the sign for, yeah. you know, two seamer from clay. And it's just like, yep. well, let's see what this one does. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's an elite, elite pitch. And people are always asking that too. They're like, man, how does that thing move like that? And I'm like, I don't know. Just try to see if you can ask him, see if you can see the way he grips it. I don't know, but it's nasty. It's not my job to yeah. know how to throw it. So just, just catch it. To catch it. Just catch it. You know, obviously, look, the rules aren't just about making the games quicker, and it is nice. I mean, we get, we're all getting home earlier. That's nice, but definitely action on the base path is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. That is a burden that, you know, is really falling on the pitchers and catchers in that yeah. sense. Obviously, the numbers are up right now. That yeah. was expected. How do you guys figure to regain maybe some control of that as the season goes yeah, on? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, just kind of reading the room, like seeing how other teams are going about it, seeing uh, how active other teams are on the base pass and and we have a we have a we have a good we have a good group of guys here that have good pick packages and they practice constantly you know their pickoff moves and and switching up their looks so i think time will tell you know when you have a guy who throws over in your head are you kind of like checking that off right now knowing that okay he's got one more and then he throws over again and and then you have to know okay he can't throw over now or anything like that or are you just kind of going along with it more no i mean i feel like it's like you know, you obviously know now, you know, you only get two chances yeah. and well, you get three, you get three chances, you better get them but, on the third. <laughs> but I mean, I think there's some advantages there to holding on to some chances and using them more. But I think that just goes into the analytics side of it. Yeah. Like, I'm not really like, Oh man, he's got one more. Like, no, that's not No, It's like, if we're going to use them, we're going to use them. If we're not, we're not. So, and you're not going to change your plan. Yeah, for the no, there's no way, yeah. no way, no way. <laughs> this is a weird thing to say. I, I hope you'll forgive me since you got here last year since you really started turning heads i've almost i feel had a slightly difficult time knowing how to talk to you and what i mean by that (laughs) is and i know i'm doing it again here so whatever but the things you've done are somewhat shocking since you got here Mm -hmm. Uh, and i'm sorry if this is not a nice thing to say to somebody but like i didn't peg you for the all-star game last year (laughs) i don't think a lot of people did sure but i mean how (laughs) do you take it It, like i mean do you know what i'm saying like because i don't want to talk to you like hey man what a crazy thing you did. Cause I know your answer is, well, I worked my butt off. I did all this stuff yeah, and everything like sure, that, you know, sure, you're yeah. not a fluke. No, so, so do you see yeah. like what, what's, how do you take it when people are just like, Oh man, the Jose Trevino story, how inspiring. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I hope it's inspiring. I hope a lot of people around the world can, can relate to it one day. It really was a lot of hard work. It was a lot of work that a lot of people didn't see. Um, there was sweat. I'm, I, I don't I don't know how many tears I shed, but there was there. I don't know if there was blood, but I I did. I worked my butt off. I'm a big guy on being prepared for your opportunity, even if there's not one. Yeah. Uh. So. But you didn't get lucky. I no, I didn't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I mean, I worked really hard, so maybe I did get lucky. But at the same time, for me, I worked my butt off, and I was prepared for an opportunity. And when preparation meets opportunity, and you're ready for it, who knows what could happen. I don't know how much you guys heard this in the clubhouse or saw this in the clubhouse, but at the beginning of last year, when, and again, I'm not trying to, when Nestor was still a little bit of a novelty in a sense, mm-hmm. you know, Aaron Boone would sit here in the press conference room and just be like, nope, that guy is a great A athlete mm-hmm. and he's going to be an all-star. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
that's a manager's job. Don't get me wrong to say that stuff. But he said it with conviction, certainly. Yeah, and you know what? Even if he was just whatever, mm-hmm. he was right. Yeah. I mean, th- that's it's not that different, though, right? I mean, Nestor didn't just come out and just like, you know. No, Nestor works really hard, man. He works really hard, and he's a special athlete, and he goes out there, and he, he toes the rubber, and he gives you everything he has. So, like, those those kind of stories are inspiring because, you know, you, you kind of get I, – I haven't known Nestor for a long time, but you can tell that he's worked his butt off. You can tell that he's been – through some things with baseball, you know, and, and for it to finally pay off for him, for me, you know, that's that's big for us. You know, that's huge. Maybe I'll turn it around a little bit here because, you know, you mentioned the work. And, and I think people do know how mm-hmm. much you work. I don't think that's what they're saying. I wonder sometimes, though, if, and I guess this maybe does go back to what I was saying about Aaron. Do you think maybe we talk more about the work that you put in, the work that Inester puts in, because you're... 5'10 mm-hmm. and not 6'6. Six, six. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there has to be a reason yeah, I mean, to do it. No, for sure. I mean, you're going to, like, I could walk around the city and not get recognized. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm an average height of a male, you know, but I just so happen to catch, you know, the New York Yankees, you know, and hit in Yankee Stadium. So it's definitely inspiring. Uh, I, I could see why people are inspired by it. You know, I, I don't want to take anything for granted. I don't want to give anything away. But for me, it was a lot of hard work. It was a lot of preparation. And it was not only asking for an opportunity to show off the skills that I have, but also being prepared. So when those two met, I was ready for it. I was I was ready for whatever came with it. And I was just blessed enough for it to happen with the greatest franchise of all time. So for me to do it in pinstripes, that means a lot for me to be doing it while I'm wearing the pinstripes. Like I, I know I say it all the time. Like this is a, a dream come true for me, but I have a picture from when I was two years old wearing a Yankees onesie. So like this means, it means a lot more to me than, you know, a lot of other people. Cause I, I was a fan. I was a kid. I, I I've, I've seen this team win championships. I want to win that championship. I want to be an inspiration to the kids that are in diapers that are watching our games, you know, late in October, staying up, having to go to school the next day, because I was that kid. It is funny to me, something you bring up, because I feel like Mike King or Marinaccio will walk past me, and I'm just like, I think of those as like, you know, little guys, whatever. And then like when you actually stand next, I'm like, you're taller than me. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh yeah. In my head, they're like these tiny little guys who are doing this magic, but it's like, no, you're athletic, and you're yep. taller than me, yeah. and like, I'm, a, I'm 5'10", yeah. like, and I, I realized when I was interviewing Mike King the last time, I'm like, I'm looking up at him. He yeah. actually is, and then I looked it up, he's 6'1". Yep. <laughs> you don't think of that when you see it. Big dude. How do you... I mean, I, I'm always amazed at the way you can work with a starter and a starter's four or five pitchers, whatever. But the reality is, after that starter, you're getting two, three, four guys coming in with four different pitches, whatever. I know you always have the binder. I know you always have that stuff when you're walking around in the clubhouse. But how do you keep it all straight? I mean, how do you literally have Ian Hamilton come in and just right right away know, okay, here's what me and Ian Hamilton are doing? Yeah, that just goes with the preparation work beforehand, the knowing the guy knowing how he's feeling, seeing his warm-up pitches, seeing what he's doing, seeing what he's doing well, uh, how's he been feeling, anything like that. Those kind of little nuggets really help. But the preparation side of it, knowing that what you're going to get out of Ian Hamilton, Michael King, Jonathan Loisica, Wandy Peralta, Clay Holmes, you know, Johnny Brito, any, anybody, you know, understanding those guys and understanding that they're good. They're all good. They're here for a reason. They're good. And – understanding when it's it's not going so good for him understanding what can 
get them through it, how they can still compete, how they can still be, you know, one of the best. Cause some, cause there's guys in that clubhouse, their worst days are someone's best days. I can tell you that right now because we have a lot of talented arms in that, in that, in that clubhouse right now. And I can tell you that there's guys that are probably begging for those dudes worst days. I need you to be totally honest there. Have you ever called like Mike King's pitch for Wandy? Have you ever just for a second there thought you were game planning with the wrong guy in the mound at the wrong time? No, 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 no. I, 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 I feel like me and Higgy, we have a, a good understanding of who's, 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 who's on the mound and who we're game planning for and all that. Especially a lefty and a righty. I think you probably yeah. have that one under control. Yeah. Going back to Nestor for a second, I go back to last year. I think one of my favorite things about the year was your all-star inning. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, talk about captivating America yeah. in that. And look, I mean, you're doing what you do. You're doing what you did all the time. Mm-hmm. But it was such a special 10 minutes for you guys on national TV. Like no, that. for sure. What was it like for you? And have you watched it? Did you go back and watch it after? I, uh, I watched it. I maybe watched it like twice. Um, I think I watched it one time. My son like was like, oh, daddy, look, like it's you and Nestor. You know, like, oh, look, it's you at the All-Star game. Uh, and then another time was to kind of just like relive that moment. Uh, but I, I think it was, it was special for me because I got to share it with somebody who I knew it meant the world for as well, you know, and I know everybody, you know, they love the all-star game. They're doing all that, but I didn't see Nestor at that time as the all-star pitcher. I didn't see him as that. I saw him as the hardworking dude. I saw it's your buddy. Also. I saw all his hard work like on that mound in front of millions of eyes around the world. And I knew that how big of a moment that was for him and and how big of a moment it was for me. And I think that's why it was a a huge moment for me and I'll always cherish that moment for, for a long time. I, I think all Yankees fans do for a second. And it's weird. Look, I mean, we're not – Yankees fans aren't necessarily the plucky group, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, Yankees fans are – they they expect greatness in a lot of ways and, and and they expect all stars and everything like that. But that wasn't look, there's all star performances like Giancarlo Stanton winning the MVP for crushing a ball yeah, into the left field bleachers at Dodger Stadium. And they're all stars, if you'll forgive me again, who look like Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton and Garrett Cole. Mm-hmm. And and Clay Holmes for that matter. There's just something special about baseball that you and Nestor are standing in that group with them and you guys have the same job and you guys do the same thing. And it's just like, you know, there's not just one way to look, there's not just one way to do it. Like yeah, we all, we all sure. got our place here. No, for sure, man. I mean, I, I, I agree with that. And like, it just goes to show that, I mean, as corny as it sounds like if you, you want it, go work for it. Like, and, and this is, I feel like this is what a lot of it comes down to. You and I joked about this in uh, Florida this spring. <laughs> I cracked up during the offseason at the pictures of you showing up at your son's career day, full uniform, everything like that. I mean, all I can tell you is those kids must have loved absolutely every second and every other parent must have hated you so much. <laughs> it was actually really good. The, the parents were really good. The, the, the parents that did go with me, they, they, were, they were really good. Um, the kids, they're, they're four years old. So they kind of were like, what? I, I got asked if I was an astronaut on one of them. Uh, <laughs> One of them asked if like that was a different firefighter suit, so like they kind of knew, but they didn't really know. Um, someday they'll see the picture, though. Yeah, so someday they'll see the picture. But my son's, my son's baseball team—he's on the Yankees too. He got traded from, 
from a team to the Yankees because Mama made a phone call and made it happen. So he wasn't going to play for any other team but the Yankees. That's so fantastic. When they found out, they were like, "Wow, this is that's pretty cool." So I had a, I went to their end of the year party. I didn't dress up or anything, but they were like, "You have a real life Yankee at your birthday party." So I thought that was pretty cool too. Desmond Howard tweeted out a couple of years ago. Uh, a picture of him at career day and says you know i think i won and literally it's him and, and the desk in front of him is a heisman trophy and an emmy award yeah and the best part about it though <laughs> is there's a blackboard behind him and it says 905 desmond howard 935 victoria gonzalez and all of the internet thought the exact same thing which is like oh i'm so sorry mrs gonzalez oh man yeah <laughs> no i i actually was sitting next to uh one of my son's friends who was a firefighter and he was like really and i'm like sorry dude like yeah, yeah, I did. I, I had to do this. You know, speaking of that offseason, though, you for so long have made the charity work a big part of what you do, obviously. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I struggled to contain my emotion personally as I watched the video of you with the Uvalde mm-hmm. Little League kids mm-hmm. and everything you did there. And, you know, I, I God, I, I don't know if it's because I have elementary school kids mm-hmm. or because I'm a human being or whatever, mm-hmm. but how do you keep it straight? How do you keep it together in that moment? Because they're not looking for you necessarily to cry yeah. with them. They're looking for you to, you know what I mean? Yeah, to bring some enjoyment out of it. And that's what I went for. We all knew why we were there. And I knew that I couldn't do anything to, to bring their friends back. But in that moment, I could show them that we're here to have fun. We're going to enjoy this moment right now. And I'm going to do whatever I can to put a smile on y'all's face. And the, the, the cool thing about it was actually the day... Um, that 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 we had so much fun first off i had so much fun with them like we rode so we rode some roller coasters some of them were a little scared to get on the roller coaster some of them were like you know what we're gonna do it because we're with you so you know that kind of makes you know my heart melt a little bit but um i was able to wear my jersey from the walk-off so my i my first walk-off uh was on my dad's birthday and it just so happened to be on the day of the shooting but i was able to wear that jersey in front of them and they would ask me like why is your why is your jersey so dirty and i'm like well it's pine tar it's actually from the my 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 walk off and you know we would sit in the we had a we had a limo and we would sit sit in the limo and we're showing them the videos and they were like wow that's so cool so you know for them to have that kind of moment and and that much fun for me to put a smile on their face it was and, and i didn't i didn't I feel like I didn't post a lot about it because I cherished that moment so much with them. And as much as I wanted to spend it with all the other kids at Six Flags that were in the baseball tournament, I just wanted to be with those kids. Yeah. I just wanted to have fun with those kids. And I, 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 I can't put myself, uh, what they went through. Um, and I, and I, you know, I hope I never have to, but I just wanted to make that moment right there. I wanted to make that a lifetime memory for them to remember forever. And I hope, I hope I did that with them. It, it has to be one of the most, and again, I'm not saying you do this for you. Don't get me wrong. When I say mm-hmm. it, but I can't imagine how rewarding it is to know, like you said, you can't make it go away. You can't fix it necessarily, yeah. but you have an ability as a major league baseball player, as recognizable person to say, all I have to do is spend some time here mm-hmm. and I can change at least this day. Yeah. And maybe I can at least yep. make this day better. I, I can't uh, imagine what that's like. I, um, I pride myself on that. Um, I don't like to give money to charity. I like to give my time because mm-hmm. um, I, f- I feel like your time is more valuable than, you know, cutting a check and going like, hey, this is it. Like I, I would rather go there and and do something 
uh, and, and do something serviceable to where, you know, make a memory with a kid. Maybe I inspire a kid to become a major league baseball player. And then 10 years, 15, 20 years down the road, he's doing the same thing. Like he's paying it back to somebody. And that's what, that's why I do all my charity stuff. Like I don't do it because I want the recognition because, you know, there's a big check being handed out. No, I do it because I want to inspire the kids, not only in my community, but around the world. You know, I play for the New York Yankees and I thank God every day for that. But I want other kids to be where I'm at. And I want South Texas kids in particular to be where I'm at because not many South Texas kids can say they play for the New York Yankees, but I can. Jose Trevino, thank you so much for taking the time, man. I look forward to keeping on and seeing what you got. Yeah, Let's go. thank you. Appreciate it. Hi, this is Oswaldo Cabrera. You're listening to the New York Yankees official podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, this is Tommy Canely. You're listening to the New York Yankees official podcast. Nate, I don't even know what to say. I mean, Jose Trevino, he's he's just a interesting dude. And I think you kind of heard in there. I still, even after, I don't know how long I sat there talking to him, I still find it a little weird talking to him because I feel like everything I say, it's almost like when you're talking to a backup catcher or a backup player. I feel like everything I say might be a little offensive, but it's like, <laughs> dude, like you're not a novelty and you're not a unicorn. You're just a baseball player who worked really hard. I love it. He is an inspiring story and it, um it's not one size fits all you don't have to be six foot eight and 282 pounds uh to play baseball they baseball players good ones come in all shapes and sizes and um you know it's funny like jose is just kind of a very like unassuming looking dude and uh but boy he uh he does just work his butt off as we've seen and and talked about and uh you know the results are are evident he's uh become a huge part of this team he's an awesome catcher and uh it's great that we had the chance to talk to him like that i feel like that's one of the weird things as i looked back on it as i listened back i think we barely even talked about the catching mm-hmm. aspect of it and you know i mean look he came in here as a defensive catcher i think that that it's fair to say that i don't mean any knock when i say it he came in to be a great defensive catcher he won the platinum glove so you know he did it he just also happened to put together an all-star season because he had these amazing, amazing offensive performances in the first half. And it's just, I don't know. I mean, look, 2022 is in the past. We're a month now into the 2023 season. It's just still so interesting to me every time I go back to just, what was that? And again, it's like that kind of keeps on happening with this team. I don't want to, Matt Carpenter last year, you know, no one thought when he showed up and said that he would, happily load the bus for the team that he was going to be the offensive juggernaut it just these things these things kind of keep on happening and obviously a lot of that is a credit to the player a lot of that is credit to the coaches and the front office 
You know, again, is everything perfect? Is everyone happy? Are all fans walking to Yankee Stadium right now holding signs saying we are the happiest in the world? Nothing could be bad. Like, no, it's reality. It's not always amazing. But you look at some of these things that happen. Jose Trevino, what was that? <laughs> well, now we're we're beginning to understand a little bit better, uh, you know, thanks to interviews like that and uh, stories that we've written in Yankees magazine, because it is a little bit of a head scratcher at first. You know, you're expecting one thing and then you see something that uh, is just, you know, really exceeds expectations in a lot of ways. You want to find out, like, what's the backstory here? How is this happening? You know, I mean, he's still this year. He's getting big hits. You know, he had that bases clearing double a few games ago. Like he's he's a guy who who comes through in a lot of situations. And I'm, I'm just always a little amazed when it does happen still even because it's just there's so much involved in being a catcher it's almost like and i remember him telling me like he's like my hitting comes last like that's like he has so much other stuff on his plate that he's you know focused on and concerned about in terms of getting to know the pitchers studying the opposing batters uh you know working with his staff his fellow catchers the coaches just to be prepared for to catch that night's game and it's like oh yeah i also have to go out and face major league pitchers which is no easy task but he's able to do it and um, it's a testament to him and his work ethic and uh the yanks are certainly lucky to have a guy like jose trevino Nate, we spoke on the last episode about the incredible story you had with Jose when you and our photographer Ari Goldman Hecht went down to San Antonio this offseason. And yeah, you know, I, I said at the time that I've always had found it a little bit of a challenge to talk to him in some ways. I think that he kind of puts on a little bit of a mask when you're trying to interview him. This was actually the most candid I, I, I've found him to be. Um, and I, I guess maybe it's because we are out of the clubhouse in the same way that you got him out of the clubhouse when you were in San Antonio. But one thing, and I know that we talked about this ourselves, I know that you dealt with it also, there's just something about the way his eyes kind of light up when, when, when we started talking about the, the work he does with kids, the work he does for charity, and especially the work, um, God, what I was choking up talking about with him, and I'm even just starting to now, the work he did with the, the kids from the Uvalde Little League, um, elementary school kids who had uh, been through a school shooting and lost one of their teammates and it was really touching for me to talk about, you know, the way he perceived it and, and and the idea of just, you know, man, there's only so much I can do here. You know, I can't make a miracle. What I can do is give these kids a good day. Um, what I can do is just have fun. And it's really, you don't have to be a big league all-star to do things like that. It gets maybe a little easier sometimes when you are a big league all-star because you can just kind of show up and give these kids the world, but you can always tell, when it's genuine and and man it was listening to him i i i'm i'm trying to talk normally right now as i'm almost tearing up but listening to him talk about that day it's something really special that uh you know you you get you i got a sense i should say of the kind of person he is on top of just what we've seen on the field yeah no doubt i think genuine is is the word to describe it you know he said that he always wants to you know put in the time not just cut a check and i think that's a uh uh, again, a, a testament to his his who he is, his character, and yeah, it, it is real, and it is something that he's as always done. You know, before he got to the Yankees, when he was with the Rangers, he's always found ways to have an impact on on kids' lives, and um, you know, it's also evident just the pride he has in where he's from. You know, like he's a very proud 
South Texan. And uh, when he thinks about giving back, you know, that's often the place where his mind first goes to. Just another example of what, what a special dude he is. And uh, like I said, we're super lucky to have him here. As are, it should be said, Yankees pitchers. Super lucky to have him. Um, you know, I, I apologize for a terrible segue. Um, look, there, there's a couple of interesting things that are going on so far this year. This is our last episode of the opening month of the season. And there's been a lot of great stuff. The Yankees won, you know, their first, what was it, first five series, first six series. I don't even remember what it was. Um, or, or at least didn't lose them. And of course, you know, look, you're, <laughs> it's a long baseball season. There are going to be two game losing streaks. And whenever there's a two game losing streak, <laughs> fans on Twitter are going to act like it's a 37 game losing streak. And maybe uh, it takes a little while and the seasons get used to that and to remember what it's like. But it is, I think, if you, if you look back at the month of April, a solid start. And two of the things that I've found most interesting, one of them, I guess almost both of them as they relate to Jose Trevino, certainly the the base running, the stealing, the season, watching Anthony Volpe, you know, Jose and I talked a little bit about how the running game is so interesting this year. So, so watching Anthony Volpe run like wild this year. And then of course, again, touching on Jose Trevino, my God, Garrett Cole, um, it's <laughs> that that has been something to watch. So I, I don't know, Nate. Those are stories that kind of cross over, if you will, between our April and our May issues. In our April issue, we have a story about obviously Garrett Cole that we've spoken about. I wrote that one. Another one that I wrote was about the Yankees' director of speed development, Matt Tallarico, and one of the main sources for that story was, of course, Anthony Volpe. But we should also point out that our May cover, we can say this now, it's super exciting. It is Anthony Volpe. I can't wait till fans see the picture because it's not in the game and it's not a portrait. It is just simply one of the most special moments to happen so far this season. You will see it when it comes out on May 1st. And Nate, we also have another piece coming up in May about Garrett Cole. You wrote this incredible story. One of my favorite stories you've ever written, which is a high bar already about Garrett Cole and Brandon Crawford, who are brothers-in-law and who faced each other opening weekend, opening day, I should say. You spoke to them opening weekend. So I, I just think that it's a good way to wrap up, if you will, our first month by talking about those those stories. Yeah, you know, I was just talking about this with Ari, uh, our photographer, yesterday, I think it was, uh, about, you know, just really pleased and, and proud of the May Magazine, because May can be tricky, you know, it's... we we basically sign off on may, it. May, may is tricky make it's not may can be tricky may is obviously the hardest issue which no one ever understands but go on right you know it's uh the games start up on opening day and like two weeks later we basically have to have a may magazine ready to go and it's like that's not a lot of games to really formulate deep reported stories or really you know have a strong sense of what the storylines of the 2023 Yankees are going to be. You know, everything is still just kind of getting started. But like you said, with the Giants being in town on opening day, uh, it was an opportunity for Garrett Cole to face his brother-in-law, Brandon Crawford, uh, for the first time since Garrett Cole has become a Yankee. Uh, they faced each other plenty of times when Garrett was in Pittsburgh and one time when he was in Houston. But it had been almost five years since they faced each other. And so both players have obviously kind of grown in stature uh, over these last five years. Garrett, obviously, you know, not hard to see. One of the best pitchers in all of baseball right now. And, um, you know, to hear him talk about Crawford, uh, a guy that he's known for 
15 years and you know obviously their families garrett's married to brandon's sister amy so their families are very close and uh that opening weekend series uh gave him a lot of opportunities to get the families together away from the ballpark also get them together on the field at the stadium to take a family photo garrett and brandon delivered the lineup cards to the umpires prior to the second game um, so it was just a, you know, a neat little just moment in in their careers, you know, where I thought it was reasonable to sort of stop and take stock of how they got to this point. And um, I, I think Garrett kind of appreciated having the opportunity to do that. And then, like you said, the uh, the cover for May, Anthony Volpe, another very exciting aspect of this next edition of Yankees magazine. You know, when we sat down for the edit meeting to to talk about the issue. You know, we threw out a couple different ideas and it was like, I mean, just the excitement in the stands and, and on Twitter and everywhere else in, in, you know, the Yankees universe over Anthony Volpe is, you know, immeasurable. Everybody's just thrilled to see this homegrown prospect who grew up, you know, dreaming of playing for the Yankees, dreaming of playing shortstop for the Yankees, make the opening day roster. And, um, you know, he's he's been a factor so far. Like it, I would say he's probably like he has done at every stop along the way. It takes him a little while to get his footing. I'm sure that batting average will come up soon, but I mean, he's, he's making plays out there. He's putting pressure on the, uh, the opposition with his elite base running. So fun to watch. And just uh, everything about the kid is how can you not love him? I mean, he's got a great attitude, a great mindset. Teammates love him. So I'm just so thrilled at uh, to be able to put him on the cover here in May of 2023. I don't know that when we drafted him, we would have predicted he would be here and, and be as uh, prominent as he is already. But it's a great story, a great cover, and uh, I just can't wait for folks to see it. I agree with everything you said there, first off. And I do think the offense is going to come, but the speed, man, it, it's just such a it's such a game changer out there. And I had a lot of fun for the April issue writing about that. Nate, it was kind of your pitch to me as I was looking for stories when I was in spring training, but I had never met Matt Tallarico. I had never spoken to him. I did not know that the Yankees had a director of speed development. And I've always kind of wondered what, how, how you develop speed, how, how you make speed. And, and we had such good chats that, that turned into the story speed game uh, with a great opening spread photo of Anthony Volpe running with like a running sled behind him, um, you know, just weights uh, on his back, kind of dragon weights, I should say. And man, it, it was so much fun to hear how they go about this stuff. And now after a month of the new rules, but also just me personally watching this stuff closer now to see it in action. And again, you know, uh, it, the funny thing about it is we're talking about this with Volpe, but really the key to the story I felt wasn't a guy like Volpe or even a guy like Isaiah Kiner-Falefa who led the team in steals last year. It was more a guy like Aaron Judge. He finished last year with 16 stolen bases. And just none of that makes sense because for years and years, the idea of a big bruiser like that running, potentially hurting the team, hurting himself, all that stuff, you would never want to see it. But I love the stuff that I was able to get from Tallarico that I read in the story about. It's just everybody has a role. And if you're like, what they're trying to do is lift the floor for everybody, essentially. I think the quote he gave is, if you're a bad base dealer, we want to make you the best bad base dealer in the world and something like that. And it's just, it really changed the way that I've been watching the game this year. 
it's almost as if these new rules, like the Yankees were almost planning for them in some ways for the last few years, because it wasn't like they said, okay, you know, we're going to go to bigger bases and uh, fewer pickoff moves allowed in 2023. And then we reacted and said, oh, we better, you know, hire a coach who who knows how to coach base dealing. Like, no, this has been a, a big part of a, an organization-wide philosophy for a few years now. And you already started to see the fruits of that, you know, at the major league level last year with, like you said, Aaron Judge stealing a career-high 16 bases. But even, you know, at the minor league levels, we had a bunch of guys, you know, Volpe stole 50 bags across two levels last year. Florial stole a ton of bases. Dominguez is running. So we were kind of prepared, I think, or really well set up for these rule changes this year. And I, I think the intent behind them from Major League Baseball's standpoint was, you know, we want to see more action in the games. And I think we're seeing that. Uh, I, I don't think it's too hard to, to see. Um, you know, there's a lot more stolen bases, stolen base attempts, and that changes a lot. I mean, it changes the complexion of innings, changes the complexion of games. Um, it is more exciting. And one of the interesting things about it, I would say, is it's not just about when the guys run or don't run. And one of the – it's funny because when I was writing the story, none of the players really wanted to talk about what they did and what they did. And so now I've been watching even more closely, and one of the things you're really seeing this year is just how – manic almost the guys are when they're at first base and how much movement there is and how much they're in the air almost just kind of hopping back and forth back and forth back and forth which for so long you thought of as like don't get your feet off the ground because then they're going to pick you off but that you know they, they work on this so much that they're ready for it but it's not just when Volpe runs it's a Volpe's on first base I, I know for me and like this is a weird thing to say because usually if Volpe's on first base that means that Aaron judges at the plate but when Volpe's at first base, I can't take my eyes off him. You know, you're just watching him that whole time. And that is action. Even it, that's what was gone. It used to just be plotting. It used to just be a pitch was thrown. The pitcher would walk around the mound twice and the batter would be out there adjusting his gloves, whatever. Now the pitch is thrown. The pitcher is standing on the mound. But if you have a guy on first base, you're just watching like, what is he going to do? What is he going to do? What is he going to do? And he doesn't have to run for it to be exciting. It's exciting because you know that is now a part of the Yankees game. Yeah. And I mean, oftentimes, you know, a guy will get on first and you're watching him over there and you're just like, you know, he's going to get to second at some point soon here and possibly beyond that. So, I mean, it's look, uh, all the rules, I think, have, have been positive change for the game so far. I think by and large, everybody, whether they're on the field or in the stands or wherever, has has taken to them pretty well. It just it really does make a difference, like you said, when you're watching the game and just no more plotting no more a guy just gets the first and waits to get knocked around uh by the next batter like they're they're pushing the envelope and um makes the game a lot more fun i think and and what also i'm finding fun and maybe this isn't the easiest thing to watch in real time but there's going to be an evolution too i was talking to jose trevino about it and you know, I'll push back now. Maybe I should have pushed back then when he said, you know, the team's doing a great job with trying to control the running game. Like, the fact is they're not. Like, And, and I mean, they're not trying well, hard. Is. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> right, statistically, you know, no one's doing a great job right now of controlling the running game. And the Yankees are not doing better than anyone else. Certainly, they're, they're struggling. It, it is going to be interesting to see how that changes, though, because you know that in the same way that the Yankees have, you know, science labs, essentially – down in the farm where they're learning how to shape pitches better and learning how to get better first steps. So right now, they're down there learning how to control the running game. Um, they're, they're, they're working on this stuff. As you said, a lot of this stuff starts in the minors. 
we're seeing all, all the stolen bases right now in the Yankees big league club. Well, the last two years, the Yankees minor leaguers led all of minor league baseball in stolen bases. And now as some of those players start graduating to the big leagues and as the, the game changes, that's happening at the big league level. I am sure that you are going to see pitchers and catchers figure out new tricks to keep this in check. And that's going to be fun to watch too. And again, not, I love the action. I want the action to stay. I hope that we don't control it so much that we revert back to, for lack of a better term, just boring three true outcome baseball where it's just strikeouts, walks, and home runs. But at the same time, I'm fascinated to see how they get it under control and what comes next. Yeah, I mean, maybe they hire a uh, you know a counterpart to Matt Tallarico, a, a director of run control, <laughs> director of speed, a <laughs> Well, I, I think that's a that's an okay place to leave it. Obviously, it, it has been a fascinating month right now for the Yankees. I think that from a record perspective, it, I don't think anyone necessarily saw the Rays being the greatest team in baseball history this year. But everyone knew the AL East was going to be an incredibly difficult division. It has proven to be an incredibly difficult division. Now comes the part of the month of the year rather where we're going to start seeing more AL East matchups and things like that. So records and you know things like that can change pretty quickly here but one thing's for sure it's uh kind of hard to believe that we're a sixth of the way through the baseball season and really in the thick of it but here we go yeah long way to go you know i would say uh i don't think the yankees have fired on all cylinders yet but i think things will change here soon reinforcements are on the way guys are getting healthy so i'm uh looking forward to may i think it's going to be a good month for us i think it was a very good month for us last year so uh, hopefully it will be again in 2023. Looking forward to May. Looking forward to many more Garrett Cole starts. Looking forward to getting to see some Luis Severino starts, getting to see some Harrison Bader on the field, all this kind of stuff. Like you said, we have a lot to look forward to this year. But I know for sure I can't wait to do this again with you in two weeks, hopefully in the office, because I am not helping monitor my son quarantining. <laughs> but, you know, we'll see how it goes. But Nate, always good talking to you. Likewise, John. And uh feel better soon, Ethan. Hi, this is Garrett Cole. Thank you for listening to the New York Yankees official podcast. If you like what you've heard, be sure to subscribe at yankees.com slash podcast or at the podcast app of your choice. The New York Yankees official podcast is a production of the Yankees Magazine Podcast Network. It's produced by me, John Schwartz, with assistance from the entire team at Yankees Magazine, as well as incredible support from the New York Yankees Media Relations Department, in particular Jason Zillow, Michael Margolis, and Caitlin Brennan. Thanks also to our awesome social media team, Brian Callahan, Julia Shore, and Alex King. If you're not subscribed, what are you waiting for? We're available wherever you listen to your podcasts or at yankees.com slash podcasts. Leave us a review. Leave us a rating. You can even send us your thoughts over email, podcasts at yankees.com. For more information about the stories we discussed today, visit yankees.com slash magazine, where you can read all of our long-form content. If you'd like to subscribe to Yankees Magazine or purchase individual copies of the magazine, yearbook, media guide, or anything else, please visit yankees.com slash publications or call us at 800 go yanks of course you can also stay up to date on everything happening here at the stadium by following us on twitter at yanks magazine or by liking us on facebook at yankees magazine that's it see you next time and go yanks hey rob bradford here you guys know i'm always up for a good mvp story and one of the best stories is wasabi technology wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams including 20 major league baseball teams like the red Sox and nhl teams like the bruins and vancouver canucks even the liverpool football club is getting in on wasabi action so why is wasabi the mvp well wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the amazon's 
of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.